0: Hello, and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast world. I'm Brooke McAllery.
1: My name's Ben McCallery. I'm trying to make Brooke laugh. You are. That <laughs> didn't succeed. Welcome to episode 238. Thank you. I'm a big professional. You are. You are. We are knee deep in our May experiment, and we're living it every day. And we're loving it. We well, are. I'm loving it. Are you loving it?
0: I, I really am, but not in the ways that I expected. Okay. So things have shifted quite a bit. Yeah. Since last week. Okay. Last week I was kind of riding high, on the wave of
1: riding high. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Very good. Not that that has gone, but I feel like not I've- that
1: you were riding high. You were just.
0: <laughs> well, I'm like I'm at elevation.
1: Okay. We're in the mountains. Yeah. I'm up high. Okay. Get it? Yes. Good.
0: And that – I can't remember if I actually said it in last week's episode or not. But, you know, when you start a new habit and it's all fun and, like, there's novelty involved yeah, it's and it's yeah, ex- exciting course. and you're like, I'm, I'm really digging the actual thing that I'm doing, yep. then, then it becomes – Something that you require either motivation or willpower to continue. Mm -hmm. It's like people go to the gym for the first week of January and then it's like, "Ah, I don't really want to, even though I felt good. So it's been more about shifting my mindset into why I'm doing it rather than what I'm doing. Okay. If that makes sense. So, but I'm still writing every day. Uh I started the month with a project that I have worked on for the majority of the days but this week, I have been doing less writing for this one fun like and it's just a fun project like it's I don't have any deadline, I have no word count, I have no anything other than the fact that this is something I want to do and it's fun and it's a very different creative outcome yeah,
1: yeah
0: while still being writing. and I've probably the biggest struggle I've had this week is separating my creative outputs for the experiment from creative work, ah. which we spoke about a lot last week we and did. how that impacts what I feel like I can create and put out there. But for me, I've been kind of ticking the, yep, done the creativity thing today box, uh, even if that is work, work. It's still creative and I still don't feel like I'm I'm not cheating or anything like that uh, and i've also i mean in addition to that i've been journaling every day and allowing my brain to go off on weird tangents uh as part of that so it's definitely still happening but awesome the benefits that i've been shown this week are less oh wow exciting look at all those words on a page and more internal and like mental and processing and problem solving related yeah which has been
1: really really cool what about you I want to get into mine in the episode, but I briefly just want to mention the book club really really quickly.
0: So if you happen to follow at Slow Home Pod on Instagram, you may know that we do a monthly book club. We just do it on Instagram to keep things simple. And this month, tying in with the creativity experiment, we are working through Liz Gilbert's book, Big Magic. Uh, By the time this episode comes out, We'll be almost halfway through the month, but feel free to come over and um, we always do a a, kind of a book club question answer type session at the end of the month. Feel free to come over and and share your thoughts or insights into it or pick up a copy and and start reading it. But it is a cracking good book Mm. about the relationship between creativity and fear and worth and creating what is right for you you as an individual as opposed to what is right for an audience or social media or you know uh all that that juicy stuff so check it out even if you don't follow the book club big magic liz gilbert gilbert it's awesome gilbert gilbert do
1: it I want to answer the question that you asked me at the top of the show. Mm -hmm. So my challenge over the last week was to do something creative for myself. Yes. Because, well, no, I'm always doing it for myself. But um, you challenged me to test my output slash audience, as in I'm putting stuff out there like you for an audience. Yeah. And there's always the audience in mind when you do create things like that. So I over the last week, randomly I decided, and I wrote about this in the slow post last Friday, but I am completely focused on skiing backwards. Yeah. Skiing switch. Yeah. End of the season, nice fluffy snow, spring conditions. What better way to experiment and be creative with my skiing, you know, just challenging yourself. It's,
0: and it's play, isn't it? It's so thinking pl- it's outside, playful. Thinking outside the box.
1: Absolutely. And I've sucked at it big time, like absolutely sucked at it. There's something about going backwards that I no longer, like my middle ear <laughs> is no longer, I don't know, like as good as it used to be. It's yeah. a weird feeling. Okay, going backwards on a, on a, a slide, like a water slide, I almost, like, vomit every time I get out. Like, even going backwards on a train or, like, a bus, I would no longer liked. I used to love that as a kid.
0: That was one of your hobbies as a kid, going backwards on a train?
1: No, I wouldn't say hobby. That's a really random thing to say, but I always enjoy riding backwards on. I think it's partly getting older, actually. Oh, I. That's just a sad sign of the times. Aww. 30, anyway.
0: 36, you're Anyway, on.
1: I... I challenged myself, and I wanted to to do something creative and experiment in that way. I really liked that
0: because your your creative project for this month that you set out with was
1: video. Yeah, creating shooting, editing video, Which and, you, and you doing do and, ri- and and doing more writing, creative yeah. writing.
0: But I really like that you've you've found something else, another kind of outlet that is just for you, yeah, and that encourages play, yeah. because I think I see you doing those two other things. And it becomes work because it's for an audience, whereas this is just for you and I, th- I just think that's really fun. Yeah. So for people who are like, I'm not creative, I don't have any outlet that's yeah. going to work, try thinking that kind of breadth. You know, think outside the box completely.
1: Yeah, and you could say, oh, Ben, it's it's more just learning. But it's all, I think it's all tied in. It's all it's tied together. It's all tied in. It's just something new. That's all I'm trying or have attempted to do. And... Yeah, and, you know, and the audience has been me. I must say that the audience has been other people on the hill watching me scream, I can't stop, but the audience and the (laughs) benefactor. But you don't care so much about the opinion of that audience. The benefactor is always going to be me in that it's a different skill that I can do and I'm going to get there. By the end of May, I, I really want to ski switch.
0: I have also greatly benefited from you learning to ski switch because I don't often see you not good at something.
1: So yeah, I usually pick things up pretty
0: quickly. You do, and you are like, you you are you doing you're doing good. You're doing much better than I possibly could.
1: But, anyway, that that was my little challenge, and I've, I've enjoyed it. I've I've really enjoyed it, and mm. I and I've enjoyed sucking at it more importantly. Yeah, because the audience, the output is not
0: you know, it's important. just not a, a factor. No, and that's what next week. Our plan is to talk quite a lot about creating for the sake of creating, letting go of any semblance of good or perfect or shareability or beauty or whatever and just immersing yourself in the process. Mm. So that will be interesting to kind of come back to that after another week of
1: yeah, yeah will of be.
0: learning and creating and playing.
1: Yeah, so what about you over the past week? What have you specific? I know you touched on a few of your challenges that yep. you've had, but what specifically did you do over the last seven days?
0: So I, I wrote. Yeah. Yeah. My rhythm has shifted. We've moved to a new rental mm-hmm. in Canmore in the Rocky Mountains. And this place is bigger and it's got a it's just a, a different setup. so that I now can get up early in the morning and have some space to be – I can turn on the light, I can boil the jug, yeah. um, you know, and I can do some yoga and, and that sort of stuff. So I've, I've shifted back into my favorite kind of morning rhythm, get up early, do some yoga, meditate, and then I just – journal Mm -hmm. and once i've finished journaling then i start writing working on some kind of creative project yeah whether that is something for work or you know my fun project and it's just such a fulfilling way for me to start the day i feel like i've ticked off those things those self-care rituals that really do have an impact on how i get through the rest of the day in a really positive way and kind of the rest of the day's gravy Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's writing. And you know what, it it can be five minutes. It can be half an hour. It can be an hour or longer if I want. But what I've discovered a few things is that the more I do it, the better I am at it Mm -hmm. in terms of just letting my thoughts flow in terms of reducing the barriers I put up around the things I write, you know, the things I should write about or the things that, that I, Brooke, write about. It's been nice to tear those barriers down a bit Um, but the other thing that I was not expecting is that my problem solving skills and my creative thinking skills have shifted so significantly and it kind of all happened at once like I've had all a a number of sticky problems that I've been mulling over for months you know the uh, the potential of a new book what that would actually look like whether Mm. I have it in me but also what the podcast's going to look like towards the end of this year and into next year and how, if at all, we want to change. Also how we, you and I are going to manage to be able to take some time offline later in the year. Like these are all kind of problems that I couldn't quite unpick those thought knots. Um, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like all in one day, the space of kind of half an hour, I started to come into these solutions, potential solutions, and it just felt really good. It felt like there was a release in my brain. And sort of surprisingly attached to that has also been the impact it's had on my parenting and the way that I'm relating to the kids. I feel like my ability to think from their perspective and be more empathetic has really increased. And I think that that's also just... I mean, there's no way to quantify any of this other than to say it's just my brain opening up, but that's what it feels like. I feel like my brain is opening up in in different ways. You know, I'm seeing things differently again. I've always been someone for the last few years, someone who focused on tiny details. Like I will look at one ant or one pebble or, you know, the way the sunlight hits one pine needle and be entranced by that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's even ramped up as well so i have no idea what it's doing to my brain but i like it yeah a lot
1: yeah that's great yeah
0: it's it's i did not expect there to be as profound an impact on the way i think and feel as the nature experiment but it's it's up there which is surprising to me considering i think i I think and the reason i thought that is because i'm someone who probably does do creative things every day anyway but switching my brain over to that mindset of let's live creatively, let's think creatively, let's solve problems creatively has seen a bigger shift than I expected.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Like I would love to know the reasons why I'd love to really unpick why that is. And i the theme for this week's episode is all about analog versus digital creation or, and creativity. You know, that's a, that's a comparison that we can make quite easily because it's about the medium that you're choosing. Right. right. But I think I've done a little bit more other research about what are the other ways you can sort of separate creation. And it's cognitive creation, so very process-driven creation mm-hmm. versus emotional creation.
0: What would two examples of what would an example of each of those be?
1: Oh, we'll get to that very okay, shortly. Sorry. The other two is deliberate creation, as in you're gonna sit there and you're yep. gonna write. Yeah. Or spontaneous creation as <laughs> in You walk past something and you go bang, you know, that's the Eureka moment. You know, you you get some sort of stimulus to wanna create then and there. So Okay. So there's deliberate and spontaneous. They're pretty straightforward. Yes. So deliberate, uh you sit down,
0: you're right, you paint,
1: you knit, you Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Which I think We've been doing quite a lot of. Yes. Have you been doing any spontaneous yes, creation?
0: I have. That was the other benefit that I, in ter- particularly in terms of the kids, but even just in terms of fun. Uh, we went for a walk in the woods the other day. We found this cool fort and the kids played for ages. And you and I just sat on these logs and chatted and ate some lunch. And remember, I built this little mini teepee out of pine Cones and branches and stuff.
1: Do do remember that.
0: For the fairies. Yeah. And that was just because that was what it was at hand. It was in this beautiful space. The light was beautiful. It was relaxing. And I think I had this mindset of create, make, do, build, solve kind of approach to things. It was really fun.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And there's been more so of that. Good. So
0: even like we went and had a picnic down by the lake. And it was kind of sandy, sandy, gravelly ground. And even just doodling with a stick in the dirt because that's what I felt like doing was really nice. Yeah, so there has been a bit of that. Yeah. But I think you're right. The majority of our creativity has been deliberate. Yeah. And I love that feeling of spontaneous
1: creativity. Great. Me too. I really do as well.
0: Have you been doing?
1: Well, I guess the skiing switch was a bit spontaneous. As in I, like, I didn't set out that day. To do that i must have like just turned around on my skis and went okay yeah this is this is this is happening this is how you do it this is what's yeah so i guess but oh, oh, i'd like to be more spontaneous i will say that i want to okay. i want to be able to see some stimulus and just go bang I, that's right create so going back cognitive versus emotional emotional creativity the best example you can give is like a musician imagine like a guitar player mm-hmm. riffing you know on a solo like yep. just being very spontaneous but creating some wonderful music theater sports improv improv mm-hmm. they're all very emotional creative outlets okay versus cognitive which is like it's like a scientist sitting down and saying i want to invent the light bulb right and thomas edison right. went around and experiment after experiment after experiment like a thousand times you know, would have tried a thousand different things until he got to. So it's very the process. Solution. It's using. It's all in your brain. I don't know how much to the left hand side of the brain you would use. I mean, obviously a lot because you're creating something new. But do you know what I mean? Like yeah. It's very. It's almost like a process that you would follow. Variables. You cut out the variables. Where's your constants? All that sort of stuff.
0: Okay. So I can see when you were describing that in a lot of creativity. There would be both. You'd have both elements. So for me, if I have to sit, if I sit down and I have to write a thousand word piece about a particular topic, I will kind of create emotionally. I'll get a mind map going. I'll just word vomit ideas out onto a page without any kind of boundaries. From that, I will start to pull out points that I think can actually make sense and might be in service of the thing that I'm writing, and then I write out a plan and then I write out the post so you're kind of switching between the two you do you switch
1: it's like a quadrant really spontaneous emotional cognitive deliberate
0: right okay that's really interesting so I do think that from the research that I've done on this whole question of analog versus digital in terms of creativity
1: which is another really fascinating comparison
0: it it is and just straight up putting it out there there's no right answer There's no one right answer. People think differently. People respond to distractions differently. People process information differently. But from everything I've read, two things, pretty much everyone will benefit from at least trying to bring in some of the other side. Like I'm much more analog uh, in terms of creation. Like I'm at my most creative when I'm using a pen and paper, undoubtedly. When I sit down and I try and type from scratch, no idea what I'm doing on a computer, I get overwhelmed. I get really stressed. I find like I can't finish a thought before I jump to the next one. I mean, you've read some of my unedited work and you're like, what's this jumbly bit in the middle? like, that's me trying to figure stuff out. I don't find that happens as much when I write longhand pen and paper.
1: Is Um, it because it takes – it's a slower journey? Yes,
0: that's part of it, definitely. Um, But all the research that I've read – still indicates that given the time modern world that we live in i would still benefit from using digital technology which i do it's just a matter of knowing your tendencies uh, but the other thing that's really interesting is as you said at the beginning it's so related to how we learn it's really hard to quantify improved creativity like how do you quantify that that's it so there's very few studies but there are a whole heap of studies Uh, In this field of research called haptics, which is about um, handwriting and the impact that it has on movement, but also firing up different areas of the brain, which I think is incredible. And there's this whole kind of stream of research that now is suggesting that we need to bring handwriting back to schools, like well into our teen years. Because in the States, at least, kids learn how to write by hand in year in kindergarten and year one, that's it.
1: So from year two on?
0: Yeah, then it's keyboards. Like wow. that—that's where the emphasis is, rather. So it's not cursive. No one learns running writing anymore. It's, yeah. And look, correct me if I'm wrong. That's just the the research that I've come across about the U.S. school system. But I also know that that's kind of starting to happen in the Australian school system too. Well,
1: just like today when we, I said to you, I can't, cannot believe how much computer work Toby is doing.
0: Mm-hmm. He's in you too. He's in you too. Yeah. yeah. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. It's important. It's the world we live in. But there is a whole process of learning that happens when we write by hand. Like a number of studies, which I'll link to in the show notes, have shown a link between a deeper level of learning and memory recall, and information recall and processing when we write by hand, as opposed to when we write, take notes, for example, in a lecture on our laptops. They've done these studies weighing up the recall and the processing of both groups, laptop, note takers, physical, handwritten note takers, and the handwritten note takers smash it out of wow. the Wow. Because it fires up different parts of the brain every time. So for me, I, mean, for me, I was hoping to find this one yeah. study that says working creatively in analog is the greatest. You should all do it. I don't think that it exists. All, all I came across is a lot of creative people Who their outputs might be digital. They've written books, they might make films, they could be digital artists. But almost everyone that I came across benefits from first playing around, working, creating, getting the genesis of an idea in an analog fashion. To the point where Austin Cleon, who I love, and if you haven't read his book, Steal Like an Artist, you should, but he's also got a great blog and he's great to follow on Instagram. Uh, he has two separate workspaces. He has an analog workspace. Nothing digital oh, or electronic cool. is allowed into that space. And it is like, it's a mess. He is no minimalist. It's newspapers stacked up, it's hundreds of markers books. and index cards and books. And when he writes, a, when he, writes he, he starts a new book project. He creates like a banker's box, and that's where all his materials for his books live. You know, and he he has index cards all over his house and he's super analog. But then he uses digital tools to create his final output, his books, his blogging. Yeah. His, he does these blackout poems that he posts to Instagram a lot. And again, he uses digital tools to, to finish them. But he said that he needs to have these separate spaces and the two don't meet. He, he has a, like a physical separation between the two so that as he leaves his study and walks into his garage, he's transitioning from analogue to digital. And I just think that that's a really cool way of looking at it. There's benefits to both, like benefits that we probably all should explore.
1: How important is that space to create? Because it's something that I've not really thought about, but because space for me for creation is just everywhere. But I kind of like the thought of having a distinction. It's important
0: for me and I know that it's important for a lot of writers and I only say writers because that's the creative group that I probably know the most and read about the most and read about their rituals. For me, there are spaces that do not work for creativity. Like what? Like busy coffee shops. That's like the, That's the cliche. That's the... That's the dream, like working from a coffee shop. Digital
1: nomad working from a coffee coffee shop.
0: Give me a library, absolutely. I will work for 12 hours in a library and feel creative. It's like the ideas from the books permeate my being. Whereas, I don't know, the frantic pace and the conversations in a coffee shop, I just find them really distracting. But that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. I do get overwhelmed by lots of different audio inputs. Uh, And I know a lot of writers have a writing desk, same thing as what Austin Kleon does, that's just for writing. They have their notepad, they have their pen, they have their favourite coffee cup, maybe a candle, maybe a photo, something like that, but that's it. That's your, your writing desk. And if you're going to move to process work or editing work or even just typing up a handwritten draft, then you move to your, your digital space. I do think from some of the studies that I've come across, as you said, you have no problem in creating from scratch on on a
1: computer. Yeah. I
0: don't like I you don't, very no, I rarely don't. will take physical notes.
1: Oh, yeah. No. I think I just became so sick of taking physical notes in like meetings.
0: Right. See, that's the only way I remember stuff. Mm. But there is one theory that, you know, you mentioned before the the left and right sides of our brains are responsible for different, different parts of thought, like analytical, language, the skills yep. required to write, but then also you've got your emotional side to the brain. So the theory is that writing by hand means that we are tapped into the side of our brain that we are more dominant in. So for me, I write with my left hand, so I'm right-brained. So when we write... That's a one-handed task, usually. I mean, you're right with one, unless you're your dad who is genuinely ambidextrous. Yeah. You know, your your opposite non-dominant hand might be holding the piece of paper or whatever, but it's typically a one-handed exercise, left or right. And typing is a two-handed job. So the theory is that we are used to using one side of our brain Primarily when we are writing by hand, but when we're typing, our brain is getting these signals that both sides of the brain are in use and it is constantly
1: shifting, shifting
0: between like the tasks that are left brain oriented and the tasks that are right brain oriented. And for some people that is really confusing or discombobulating. And that's how I feel when I'm typing, unless I know what I'm trying to say. I find typing an idea out fresh is really hard because I'm swinging between grammar and syntax and what I'm trying to say. Yeah, see, I I can't help it.
1: That is so interesting. Yeah. I've never, ever thought of that.
0: No, but the actual act of typing really kind of confuses... Our brains are little. And, and the research does say that some people are more affected by this than others.
1: Right. Because when I'm typing, I make so many spelling mistakes. Like auto-speller is is basically the best thing in the world for me when I'm typing. Right. Because, but I don't care that I'm making yeah. grammar or spelling mistakes or anything like that. I just need to get this thought out. So maybe that's me just blocking off. Maybe. Like my right side or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, you know, like And you're probably more efficient because of it. Yeah, weird. Okay, that is really interesting.
0: But also that kind of leads into the idea of creative process as well and the like the slow media movement, which I, I having come across this idea of digital versus analogue and hoping to find the the answer and that the answer would be analogue and finding that no such answer exists, I do still think that there's something really attractive and appealing to people in the slow media movement. So you've got slow food, you've got slow homes, you've got slow art, you've got but slow media is about analog, analog modes of creation. So your creative process is fueled by analog systems as opposed to digital systems. So that's you go from your four-track analog recording to your 96-track digital recording and the process is different. Yeah. People make albums differently. You've got like slow music and then you've got modern music or digital music, I should say. Photography, same thing. I used to take photography classes at uni and I got to process my films. I know. And I spent hours in the darkroom printing images. It was was amazing. It felt like some kind of alchemy. Yeah. And I think that writing longhand pencil and paper first drafts is kind of a similar approach to that. Not saying that you can't utilize digital down the track but the creative process originates in slow. And the thing that people don't like about analog tools is that they take longer and you can capture less, but that's actually what makes them usually a higher quality output. Yeah,
1: quantity over quality. Yeah,
0: which is really kind of what slow living is all about. It's going deep. It's getting quality. It's rather than like you don't need to cast a million different Kind of ends out and see what you pick up. You just go deep on one. So I th- I think that that's a really kind of nice way of tying the whole idea of analog versus digital back to slow, and it's about like, the soulfulness and the the meatiness, the, the realness, yeah, yeah, the authenticity. I guess to use a, an overused word, but for me, I still love listening to vinyl, and vinyl's making a comeback. Wow. You know, film. Photography is making.
1: Tapes a are coming.
0: Well, yeah, but that's, that's just hipster stuff. You can't beat the sound of a vinyl, I don't think. Like mm-hmm. listening to an entire album on a record, it's a completely different it thing is. than listening to a Spotify playlist. It is. But they're both great, yep. but they're
1: different things. So Neil I, Young has some fascinating things to say about doesn't that.
0: Doesn't he? Was Crea- that in Shaky?
1: Creativity oh. and Log. It was in his book, Shaky. Yeah. yeah.
0: So and see, that was the first time I'd ever really thought about the way making music had changed from '60s and '70s to now. I just never thought about it, and I I don't know. I I just find it really interesting that that's a shift that people are coming back around to
1: wanting to come back to.
0: Yeah, because yeah. the outputs are different. Yeah, not not better, not worse, but different. So I think, without having a definitive answer, I think our our kind of bow on this week's episode is if you find yourself predominantly analog try something digital Mm. you know if you're a journaler try recording your journal via audio for the morning like if you if you do a stream of consciousness handwritten imagine listening back to that so mark shapiro who i interviewed on the podcast a couple of years ago he is a journaler big time journaler believes in the reflective benefits of it but he never journals by hand he records a video of himself every morning just talking whatever dreams he had awesome. whatever thoughts he's had so try that try it make yourself uncomfortable you know no yeah. one's gonna have to see it yeah you know and similarly if you find yourself almost solely digital try get pick- on some skis go backwards <laughs> exactly pick up a pencil yeah. and write your thoughts before you shift them over to a computer let us know. There are a whole heap of people playing along on the on the hashtag, which is fun. It's great, yeah, some beautiful, creative works coming through, and I'm just applauding you. Thank you. Yours <laughs> are really good too. Um, I applaud people's willingness to share as well. I think that that's really cool. So that's hashtag slow experiment. But until then, till next week. Until then, which is next week. Check out the show notes yep. for links to all the studies and research that we've mentioned. Episode 238. 238, yep. So, yourhome.com/ 238. I'll link to Austin Cleon's um, desk pictures too. They're really interesting.
1: Subscribe to our Slow Post mm-hmm. yep. and have a cracking week.
0: Enjoy your week.
1: Puck